Welcome to the original vegan business talk with myself, Shane Jeremy James, where I discuss life-changing business advice with vegan companies who are making a true difference in the world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the next episode. And today we have Mike Hill with us from One Planet Pizza. One Planet Pizza is fully plant-based. So I'm very excited to talk about this subject, about this business, something that of course we so much believe in. So welcome, Mike. Afternoon, Shane, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm great. Afternoon for you, morning for me. Morning for you. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about like, how you got to where you got to, how you and your son decided to do this type of business and why, and give us a bit of a, a Cliff Notes backstory on it. Yeah, sure. I guess it all starts um, back to my journey into veganism. I turned vegetarian when I was 16, many, many years ago. What, so, um, so what was that, like five years ago, right? You know, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the benefits of a healthy plant-based yeah, diet. Totally. more than that. In fact, I've been vegan almost 40 years. Next year, it'll be 40 years. So I turned vegetarian when I was 15, 16, principally through an interest in, um, in Buddhism, actually, but also always been interested in my health and fitness. I went to Loughborough University over here in the UK. It's the leading sports um, and physical education university. I was really into my running, a few other sports. Shared a flat with someone who was who had just turned vegan, international sprinter telling me about the advantages from a health and performance point of view of going plant-based. Right. And so I decided we were in self-catering and had our own kitchen. So I started joining in with him, making all these amazing um, vegan meals. And I never really looked back. So over a very business career, I always wanted to end up running a plant-based business specifically. And about six years ago, my son graduated from his degree course and was wondering what to do. He was actually doing care, social work at that time. But he he turned vegan as well. The family's always loved pizzas. Saturday night was always pizza nights in the Hill household. We used to make our own pizzas from scratch. So it right. seemed uh, an obvious thing to have a look at the frozen pizza market and see if there was a gap there. And, and this was, as I say, six years ago. So we hadn't really seen the growth that we've seen now in terms of plant-based so it was yeah. quite good timing i think to start and be the uk's first frozen vegan pizza company wow that's amazing i love that you know we got similar stories i mean when i started you know 18 years ago or whatever eating plant-based and, and, and doing veganism for me it was for me it started health-wise so yeah. i was like okay health-wise i was writing books in the space i had gyms i owned and stuff like that and then for me i was always trying to look for more energy and be more productivity, right? Yeah. So it was like, and then I started eating a certain way and I'm like, man, I'm getting more energy. Man, I'm not feeling bogged down. Man, I'm feeling good. So I was like, okay, this is, this is working. And then, you know, and then I started to change to, well, you know, to be honest, when you start a compassion movement, some of the, and, or uh, anything with the word compassion in it, which is our brand now, one of the major questions I get is, do you eat animals? Do you use products yeah. tested on animals, right? Which, yeah. you know, compassion goes with that stuff, right? So, yeah. uh, so I love your store, similar, you know, I feel we're kind of a, a similar that way. And uh, yeah, I agree. I love the fact of, you know, you guys are, you know, plant-based is just really, you know, kind of hitting that mark now. And then, uh, so tell us, like, that's amazing. So, you know, you had the, the whole the family, uh, you know, we were making it at home and stuff like that. And then, uh, how, when you decided to turn it into a business, 
how did that come about? How, how, what was the makings of that? Did you start seeing like, okay, how do we make these pizzas? How do we get yeah. them to market? Luckily, I had a part share in a veggie vegan restaurant at the time. So we had access to a good kitchen, access right. to quite a few uh, customers, restaurant customers that were interested right. in the food, some vegan, some veggie, some were flexitarian or reducing their meat or dairy. So we used that. Uh, that restaurant was called River Green Cafe, still existence now. I've sold my share in it. But it was it was a perfect way of testing and trialing these uh, the pizza bases to get the base just how we wanted it to get the sauce and then of course the challenge is is always the cheese. Um, when I was cooking vegan pizzas for the family, I wouldn't put any cheese on. I'd just go cheeses because back then the vegan cheese was absolutely awful. Yeah. But nowadays there's some pretty good ones, and we, fairly quickly we managed to find what we think is still the best pizza cheese best pizza vegan cheese um and it because of the taste the texture the pullness the stringiness of it yeah. the way it melts everything like that so it took probably three iterations of our pizza range over six years to get to the stage where you know we're really happy with it but to be honest there's still um there's still some way to go shane you know we and in fact i had a meeting last week with a company that thinks they can improve our base Right. Uh, we're not sourdough at the moment, so we're looking at perhaps going sourdough. So it's a continuous process. Yeah, I think that would be a product, you know, where you're always trying to critique to get it to that exact right stage. Like it's not the it's not the simplest product to try and get perfect. You know, you mm. look at a pizza and you think it's simple, but when you really, if you're making it as an entrepreneur, there's almost lots of little details with inside yeah. that to get it perfect. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the sauce is classic Italian tomatoes, passata, very, very simple. The base is pretty, pretty standard, but with a little twist. And then it's that mixture of finding the best toppings. And some of those toppings are obviously vegetable base, uh, onions, Mediterranean vegetables, pineapple, as we do a high Hawaiian, much to the disgust of our Italian followers who never like pineapple on a pizza. Yeah. But the, I guess the next challenge after the cheese is where we start using the fake meats, because two in our classic range, Hawaiian and the uh, spicy pepperoni, as we call it, have both got a fake meat. And then it's about finding the, the best tasting one, but also the best one that cooks very well from frozen in an oven. Right. Well, I'm sure I can imagine how many uh, bites of pizza you've probably mm. tested over the last six years. Yeah, an awful lot. Let's put it this way: I don't cook it. I don't cook them at home anymore. Yeah, I can. I can imagine. Right. Do you ever watch uh, the guy from America? Uh, barstool guy Dave Portnell. I don't know. I have no. So Google. He's a he's not a vegetarian, but he has a massive, massive brand, and he started this thing, uh, kind of similar, but he he doesn't. Uh, he he test tastes pizzas all over North America. So he goes okay. in and he ranks them, and he always says one bite every time, but he does like seven bites, and then. He ranks them and it's you know now everybody watches this stuff and he ranks <laughs> and yeah so it's greets a bar stool dave portnell i think you'll get a kick out of watching us yeah no I'll do, that. I'll do that uh so what's been uh you know the biggest challenge for you guys going into that type of business i think the challenges have changed in the early days because we were really looking at early adopters and, and this was before the, you know, the big growth in plant-based over the last five years. 
challenge in the early days was getting people just to try it and imagine they didn't really know what vegetarian or vegan cheese was so in the early days it was much more about you know, trying to get um, non-vegans because we fairly quickly approached and got the vegans on side and they love our pizzas and they've been big fans ever since but it was for us it was always about making as big an impact as possible so we wanted not just vegans but as many people as possible to replace their meat and dairy pizzas with with plant-based because that's how you know we can use pizza i sometimes call it using pizza as an agent of change it's a really popular fast food if we can make a really good plant-based version of that that tastes just as good then it starts people just thinking about what else they can change in in their diet to be to be healthier to save more animals to save the planet as well so that was the challenge in the early days i think the challenges now are much more commercial i mean and some of this is obviously to do with the macroeconomic stuff that's happening at the moment in terms right. of uh, ukraine and and cost of living and supplies and everything but even before that the challenge to young to small challenger businesses such as ourselves now is really the the big mainstream meat and dairy companies have now you know jumped on this bandwagon and are producing um, plant-based burgers sausages fish fingers tuna and pizzas at large volumes you know using their existing factories their existing distribution and supply chains and and in some cases doing a very good job it's not always the healthiest it's not almost the most ethical but sometimes they produce very tasty products which are very similar to the originals so i think that's where we and other challenger brands as we call ourselves are feeling the squeeze really now that the the big boys have come to the party um you know in our case it's it's brands like chicago town goodfellas dr opka um these are the sort of brands which never had a vegan pizza but in the last year or two in their range of 15 or 20 they might now have one or two vegan pizzas and they've right. just got you know a lot of advantages over us smaller um companies i'd say yeah i i, I agree you know they got the, you know like you said the the, the cost and the and the, the consumer and stuff. But I, I think there's definitely a space, you know, I always kind of have a bit of a, I love the fact that companies are introducing more vegan options because it helps spread the word. But, you know, it's all, some of, some of it too is, is almost to me, a type of greenwashing. And yeah. you don't really know who's in it for the right reasons. And, and really when you look, if you're selling burger on one side and you're selling vegan on the other side and you're killing animals here and not here, yeah, I mean, it's a bit contradictory of what you're selling. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Because you've got massive meat companies now like Tyson investing in plant-based uh, meats. The big chicken companies are investing in you know, plant-based alternatives. And I suppose the question is, will they eventually, if, if, if the, the plant-based version continues to be more popular, and is undoubtedly better from a health point of view and an environment point of view. Do they have a medium long term plan to stop producing meat and and go over? For example, do you have Wagamamas over in Canada? No. No. OK. Wagamamas is big in UK and Europe. It's probably the leading um, Japanese fusion restaurant chain. OK. And they've got an exceptional vegan menus developed over the last three years. They've now got a commitment over. I think it's the next eight years 2030 to go totally plant-based right 
and at the moment, you know, they have meat and fish and dairy in there. Yeah. Um, but they've they've said, you know, we've been, we're we're going to really focus on the plant based now, and in eight years' time, go totally plant based. I don't hear any of the meat or fish or big dairy companies saying that. Yeah. The, the, no, and and, I, and sometimes they they introduce the plant based products at very cheap prices, and you just wonder, are they really making any money on that? Yeah. Or are they just, as you say, doing it because we need a vegan sausage, we need a vegan pizza, yeah. um, and it's part of our range. If it doesn't make as much money as the meat and, and the meat and traditional stuff, it doesn't matter, really. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that's the problem with a lot of those companies, and I think it does start at the top, and 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 it usually is about you know those top people making decisions, and a lot is only about the numbers. So mm. it's not about a higher purpose of changing the planet i mean i'd love to be sitting in some of those discussions and see if there's even <laughs> anything about you know a higher purpose to change the planet and stuff and then you know somebody like me would st step up and say okay but we're killing the planet on this side so what are we going to do yeah. you know yeah so i think you know there's so much so it's so it, it you know it's so driven by money those industries that i think that uh my guess would be a lot of them aren't going to change over to, you know, plant-based type of stuff. No. I think the problem with the meat and dairy industry is that it's so embedded in our society, yeah. and so intrinsically linked to, to, to government and other sources of yeah. power. Um, and yeah. when there's so much money involved, it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to get change, isn't it? It's true. Like one of the girls I just interviewed, she has a big, ch big channels on like, saving animals and vegan and stuff. And she was a top journalist for the big companies in America, CNN and, and all, all of them, she was big. And, uh, and, and she said, you know, because she was vegan, she said, you know, anytime she tried to push anything that was healthy and good or do a story around it, there was always pushback because their main sponsors are the dairy industry. So yeah. she finally had to quit. She's just so you know, she actually did some progress. She finally got to do some shows on saving the animals and you know and stuff. But she was a real pusher, you know, and it just yeah. got to the yeah. point where it was like you're just pushing so much against the big machine and, and you're only getting so far, no one's really listening because that's where mm -hmm. all the that's where all their money is coming from. You know, if you're you have a you have a the dairy industry's giving you, you know, 10 million dollars a year on commercials, you know, that's running your entire business. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's right and i think the other thing the meat and the fish and the dairy industry they're they're incredibly well linked into into byproducts and and you know the waste products so it is incredibly efficient you know when they uh when they kill animals uh, for meat then pretty much every part of the body goes into the supply chain somewhere because right. we've had hundreds of years of them working on this so yeah. it goes into making glue and chemicals and paint and pesticides and things so it's actually become you know unfortunately a very efficient economically on at the at the end put we know that the true cost of it isn't accounted for because right. if they looked at the total cost of it and included things like emissions and the damage to the environment and think and biodiversity obviously it's not but from the output side of thing everything is used you know, from, from the fish and the meat and the dairy industry, nothing's wasted at all. So if you change one element of it, then it, it, it just has a knock on impact. And that's why I think there's just so much resistance to change. There's so many. And, and I think 
you know, it's, it's very easy in places like Canada and the UK to think, my God, the world's changing. You know, everyone's turning plant-based and meat and dairy consumption is going down. But it's actually going up in the world at the moment. Yeah. You know, we're killing more animals. We're drinking more milk. We're killing more fish uh, because the bigger companies are, are doing exactly what they did with tobacco or formula milk and moving away from countries which are saying, well, actually, we don't want so much of this. And they're going to developing countries and and pushing their products there. So we've now got issues, haven't we, of, of um, developing countries where they had a fairly plant-based diet and it was really easily healthy and they didn't have much cancer, heart disease and type 2 diabetes. But now because their diet is changing as they get more affluent, they're introducing all the, the much more Western-based meat and dairy products and they're starting to get heart diseases as well. Wow. You know, it reminds me of uh, one of my friends, she was speaking uh, the other day and, and uh, this event, I was listening to her and um, she was, she's working a lot in New York and the, the, the mayor of New York is vegan. And so he's trying to change the dynamics a lot and he's very aggressive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was interesting. The, the food that they serve in the New York schools, when it comes to meat, it costs about the meat companies who got it so low to give to the kids, it's like 30 cents a kid. For wow. The now you got to ask yourself, what quality of food are you feeding your kids at 30 cents of any kind yeah. of meat they're getting? You know that it's the worst of the worst. And then it's trying to figure out, you know, him up there. Of, okay, well, if we're going to create a more plant-based diet, how do we compete with these numbers? Yeah. How do we get it down? You know, how can we do this? And that's what they're trying to do right now. Yeah. And it, I mean, it should be possible because obviously we know that how that what do animal that, what do the, the cattle eat before they uh, are turned into meat? Well, they they eat beans and soya and all the stuff that we want to be eating direct, not through animals. And yet. So how can it be more expensive yeah. to, to have a plant based diet if we're taking out a big chunk of that um, right. you know, food production system? Uh, so there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of subsidies around. That's a probably in a classic example where they're not making much money on the meat they say to sell to the school kids, but it's worthwhile doing because it gets uh, it's good for publicity and it also gets them used to eating meat at a young age, doesn't it? Totally, yeah, exactly. I agree. So where do where do you guys uh, sell your product? So at the moment we're probably about eighty percent in the UK. Okay. Um, in the early years, it was just independent health stores and grocers, specialty grocers. More recently, we then moved online with some uh, our big online supermarket in the UK called Ocado. We were on there for a year, year or two. And we just launched in our first, we're in Whole Foods actually. You know, we've got some of your Whole Foods stores in London, about five of them. So they've had the pizzas for quite some time. Um, recently, we just launched in Asda, used to be part of Walmart. Um, and that's our first UK supermarket listing. Okay, and yeah. then export wise, we've been, um, pretty fortunate in that we've got about 11 countries where the distribution is growing quite fast now and probably the most interesting country is actually Iceland right. where we've, we pretty much dominate the market up there and and we're going really after the meat and dairy pizza sector pretty much every supermarket has all of our pizzas in huh. Iceland's a really interesting country because they eat a lot of frozen food because uh, a lot of the Nordic countries tend to. You may have parts of Canada where they eat a lot of frozen food as, as well. But right. they also have a high percentage of vegans. A lot of people, considering the nature of the country and it being so north, they have an amazingly high level of, ve of veganism and a lot of interest in plant-based. So, yeah, doing very well in Iceland at the moment. 
Huh, that's cool. I would have never thought, never, would have never guessed that. Very unusual. Yeah, right. So has it been a challenge to try and get your uh, product into the bigger stores and into the Whole Foods? And has that been a challenge? Yeah, it's taken a while. Whole Foods hasn't been too, too hard because um, our pizza is definitely up towards the premium side of things. Right. It's, still, you know, it's not a cheap budget pizza. And I suppose in the UK supermarkets, as I said before, the challenge now is where do we fit in? Because most of these stores now have one or two frozen uh, vegan pizzas, whether it be in their own brand one or Good Feathers or Chicago Town. So it's then really justifying why they should have us in. You know, sometimes I use the analogy of uh, Ben and Jerry's. You know, think yeah. about ice cream before Ben and Jerry's and then what Ben and Jerry's did. And they came in and yeah, it was ice cream, but it was different. And and they had a great brand story and uh, they focused on the founders uh, and it was fun, but educational. And that's what we're trying to be really, is you think about, you know, it's a vegan Ben and, ben and Jerry's in the frozen pizza sector, right. but it's, it's, it's very tough and it's getting tougher because at the moment, this, all of the supermarkets in the UK, it's probably the same in America, they're sort of battening down the hatches at the moment because you know people are reducing their spend on food. They tend to be down, down trading in terms right. of the, the quality and the price of their food. Frozen and pizza is a little bit um, recession resistant. Right. And there's some research which shows as uh, people, you know, the money in people's pocket gets tight, they tend to eat out less and eat in a bit more. Okay. And, and so sometimes that has a positive impact on things like frozen pizza and other frozen, right. frozen meals. So it swings and roundabouts, but it's, yeah, it's ref definitely very challenging, you know, trying to get that space in the frozen aisle. Right. Do you guys see online building a lot for you guys and starting to move more distribution through, you know, yeah, it did. yeah in two ways, really. We um, we set up our own direct to consumer D2C website service just before COVID hit um, you know, two and a half years ago. And, and it was big for us during COVID. It really helped our D2C grow. Um, we were sending, sending out packs of four or five frozen pizzas in very eco friendly um, insulated cardboard boxes and yeah we're getting up several hundred pizzas a week that we were sending out it's certainly quietened off since the shops reopened and people um, were, were happy and more comfortable you know going direct and purchasing right but the other area where online is growing now of course is in the speedy grocers um, so we have companies like get here um, and gorillas over here in the uk and europe who are growing very fast you probably have similar brands over there where you've got an app and you order and they'll deliver your grocers within 10, 15 minutes. What's, what sort of companies do you have over there, Shane? Uh, I mean, a lot of the companies that are doing that too, like the bigger ones are almost going like direct and creating their own apps. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 are. yeah. yeah so it's almost a challenge to the traditional supermarket model. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, America or Canada, they've probably all got two or three companies that are doing that now. Meant to be the fastest growing retail sector in the world and massive growth, big investment gone into them. And our brand, our frozen pizza brand, fits in well with some of those guys because they tend to get younger, more metropolitan type um, right. people using the app. And, and, and that's more our sector, I guess, in terms of the vegan frozen pizza market. Right, right. Yeah. 
I mean, I think with you guys and I, I, I mean, with all small businesses like that, I think, you know, our, our advantage is, you know, online now, and that's not just selling. I think if we're, you get smart at, I've always been really good at operating the back end of businesses and even online and building communities and mm. building those niche markets and building those tribes and bringing people in. And I think that that's the advantage that we have. Uh, against the bigger boys because you know I really think business has changed a lot since you know I got in even 20 years ago and to the fact where people are are, are more they're more adopt to do relate you know they want to know who they're buying from they want to know the face they they would rather be like okay like you know okay oh and you're vegan I know the owner's vegan like you know when people find out for example I'm vegan and and we want to do business, they, they choose, and they're vegan, they choose me before somebody else yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I think, I, but I also see small businesses don't take enough time on the back end and set that up operational properly to build those strong communities. And they don't have the right processes and systems and maybe don't even really know how to do it at times, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a big... I think I think you're right. The brand story is incredibly important. On all our pizza boxes, we have a picture of myself and my son. Yeah, I like that. Um, from a social media point of view, and it's not for egotistical reasons. It's just that we know people are really interested in the fact that it's a father-son business. Totally. Um, so they're, they're happy to see our picture. A lot of our social media posts, uh, we use LinkedIn a lot uh, for a business networking point of view and do a lot of personal stuff about why we're in business and why, right. we, why we set up um, One Planet Pizza. And they're, the, they're usually the strongest posts, whether yeah. it's on LinkedIn or Instagram. And the other really interesting thing is we, similar to you, I thought it was really important to build a community at the start. Even And we ended up you know, getting to 10, 20, now 34,000 followers on Instagram, I think over 50,000 across all the channels. That's, that's about five times bigger than most of the big multinational pizza companies in the UK. So we've got an incredibly strong following. Not all of them are buying our pizzas. Right. Um, a lot of them can't access the pizzas. Yeah. You know, some of them are over in America or countries right. that they can't even get the pizzas, but they still like the brand and the story and, the, and um, as you say, the tribe and the community that we're building around it. Yeah, of course. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I come from, well, building traditional businesses and stuff, but also mm. building online and internet businesses and stuff. And, and I, I see that, uh, you know, a lot of times people say nowadays, well, email marketing is dead, but it's interesting because my group and everybody were around that those databases. And if you still do email marketing properly, it is very, very lucrative and very, very, uh, very, very important and keeps your people tight, your true buyers, your true customers, your true advocates, yeah. your true. And so you know, it's interesting because I always say to like, I always ask a business, like, what's your email, email marketing strategy, right? And a lot of them don't have it. And I said, you're just yeah. missing a lot out there, a, a, a lot on that right now, you know, so. So it's. A, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We spent quite a long time on our DTC working out the customer journey and what yeah. they should go for from, you know, coming to our site and then rooting it down. They come to our site. They don't purchase. They come to our site, do purchase. Yeah. What do we do once they purchase? And and we've got um, that quite nicely established now through test and trial. And yeah. And and I think it works reasonably well. But you just need to keep it fresh all the time, don't you? Because this, the market is changing so quickly. And what we found on our C2C pizza offering is that the business starts going down 
uphill as soon as we stop doing something new and innovative. And for us, that tends to be either a, a new product, a new pizza-based product, or collaborations with, with brands that are much bigger than us. Right. We bring their toppings and put them on our pizza, share the social media, and that always gives us a real lift. And we have to really, now we program that in once every month, pretty much, just so there's something new every month for people to buy. Right, right. You guys, with all your stuff, I mean, at pizza, I think you got a father and son team doing like some kind of a, a cooking show. Mm -hmm. And then you're making the pizzas and stuff like that. And just, you know, I think there's there's something around there. You guys should do a mascot. I, if I had your guys' business, I would do a mascot. And a mascot? What's a mascot? Like, uh, uh, let me, like, uh, I'm trying to think what's another word I can put it that we, that's a term we use in Canada and America. So um, mascots like, um, like Ronald McDonald, you know, like <laughs> a mascot <laughs> or, a, a, you know, like a, a yeah, bear. But we have them at football clubs. Yeah, yeah. What what do you call do you call them mascots or do you guys call them? Yeah, some? yeah. I, I I didn't realize you were talking about mascots. Usually they're sort of bunnies or uh, gorillas or something like that. Yeah, I think you guys with a mascot would be super cool. I think that it could play it plays it plays heavily to the TikTok platform. So you could scale that platform and it becomes a fun thing with your product. You know, you the mascot could go into schools and talk about you could, you guys could be talking about vegan pizzas and stuff like that but i think a mascot for you guys just goes hand in hand with the brand and will give you the separation and plays super well to the tiktok and to all the platforms i, I would i if i had your business i would do that in a second yeah okay yeah. i'll pass that on to my marketing manager yeah 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 you guys will do good that way um so cool so what uh how does the like how does the operations run for you guys like do you where are the pizzas made? How does all that, you know, how does all that happen? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're based in Norwich, which is about an hour and 45 northeast of London, out in the uh, eastern region of, of, of England. Um, we're both born and bred in Norwich. At the moment, we've got our office here, we've got four or five people based in the head office. We've got our own production unit. There's about eight people based in the production unit. Right. And we make, um, we make about thousand to a thousand and a half pizzas a day which is um sounds like a lot but compared to a, a big pizza production you know place it's, it's what they may do in a in an hour i guess right, probably right, right. um but yeah so at the moment that's that's how we're we're we're, we're doing it and we've then got we've got distributors we manage the distribution direct in the uk and then we work with distribution partners in countries like france and holland spain and sweden and obviously Iceland, and, and right. they tend to represent our brands in, in those countries. Got it. What's the biggest challenge trying to deal with other countries? Or do you have that? Is there not too many challenges? Mm. I'd say, I mean, Brexit obviously hasn't helped us. I'm sure you guys have, have, yeah. know, know that uh, we broke away from the EU. And because of the sort of Brexit that we ended up with, it's it's in, it's the, the paperwork of um, of getting something, even a plant-based pizza, which is relatively low risk because it hasn't got any meat and dairy. And the paperwork and uh, associated costs have increased significantly to export from the, the UK. Right. So one of the things we are looking at is setting up a, a production center based in the EU in Holland or Germany, 
because that's where our markets are growing fastest and and it could be a, a lot easier to take the product and produce it over there rather than try and export it from the uh, from the UK. Right. Um, I guess the other challenge is understanding that each country has got different um, preferences in terms of their flavors. It's incredible how it changes. So in, in Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, for example, frozen pizza is massive but they tend to go for some flavors like the kebab pizza is one of the most popular flavors in uh, Sweden in, in down in, um, in our country. You know, the most popular flavor is, uh, is a three cheese margarita that we make, but in a lot of European countries, the most popular pizza is a, is a pepperoni or pepperoni as we, as we call it. So it's really important. I think when we launch into another country that we're just, aware of what works and doesn't work. The Medveg, we've got a roasted Mediterranean vegetable pizza, works very well in the UK. You try and take that down to Spain or Italy, uh, anywhere around the Mediterranean, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. So yeah, you've got to be aware of how the flavors you know, change between different countries and, and also their, their buying patterns. You know, there are quite often big differences. Take Holland, for example. Holland has an incredible number of, um, small supermarkets near to where people live so in Amsterdam you're always only five minutes away from walking to a supermarket and and that means that they, those supermarkets tend to have less frozen space less frozen products because everyone goes out and shops every day you go up to Sweden and people have to travel you know an hour or two to get to the supermarket and therefore they're going to do a weekly or a monthly shop and they'll buy more frozen products Right. So each country is is really interesting how it's different and not just the, the types of flavors of pizzas they want, but also their shopping habits and how much they buy into frozen and what products they buy frozen, what they prefer chilled and fresh. That's interesting. Uh, so yeah. any plans to expand to North America and Canada? Yeah, we, we about a year or two ago, we sent some of our pizzas over to um, a plant-based distributor in New York right. and they trialed them in a couple of speciality grocers, you know, organic type um, plant-based shops. And they went down pretty well. We just couldn't make the commercials work. So I right. think that's a classic example where, um, you know, within a year, perhaps when we do our next investment round, expansion into North America, you know, maybe on the, on, on the scene. You know, we know we've got followers over there. Um, we've had Americans that have come over and tried our pizzas at festivals and things here. So. We think there's an opportunity. There's, there's a few plant-based brands in North America at the moment, but nothing quite similar to us. I think we'd we'd have to. The way I'd like to do it would be to find a partner in a, in um, North America to produce the pizzas you know, to right. our standards, our specifications, but do it locally. I think that would be much better than trying to ship them over uh, in frozen uh, containers. Yeah, that makes sense. So, did you guys do a couple raises? Or did you yeah. drop everything? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I mean, very early on, it was interesting before we set the business, before the business actually sold any pizzas, we did a very small crowdfunding raise in the UK, um, which we were actually the first plant-based company to do equity crowdfunding in Europe. Oh, really? Back in 2015, 2016. Uh, since then, we've had a couple of rounds where we've had uh, some angels come on board and a couple of plant-based investment funds. Right. One of which is UK based and one of which is based in Sweden. Okay, so yeah. now we've got a nice mixture and we did another crowdfunding raise actually back in uh, 
January. So we've got about through one of the crowdfunding companies here, we've got about 300 micro investors through the crowdfunding. And then we've got about another half dozen uh, angel combination of individuals, angel investors, but also a couple of plant-based funds who have invested. Right. Awesome. Do you, was it a, you find that that was a big challenge for you finding the right people and, and getting the raise? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the last one was particularly difficult because we're uh, just coming out of COVID and going into the Ukraine war and, and the cost of living, et cetera. So that certainly changed um, the investment climate. Right. People are becoming much more conservative, worried where they put their money. Obviously, stocks and shares generally are all are all over the place. So sometimes, you know, even if the plant-based food sector is still growing, the investors who would have invested in us are suffering because their money is their their stocks and shares portfolio has gone down by yeah. 20, 25 percent in the last six months or whatever. So yeah, no, it is it is very challenging, um, and I guess because we're some plant-based products have got real intellectual property. They've got something that's propriety where they've invented something new. It. It's difficult to do that with pizzas. At yeah. the end of the day, the, yeah. the base is quite traditional. The passata is vegan anyway. So we're, it's, it's, for us, it's more about the brand and the story right. uh, rather than the, the IP that we've got in our, our pizzas. But I think that does make it, if you come up with some an IP that uh, is revolutionising, uh, I don't know, artificial leather made from banana skins or something, then that's a, a little bit more attractive than than someone than than perhaps a, a pizza company where it's more about the brand and the marketing. Right, right, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, you guys have done well, so you thank you. Yeah, good job. Not a not an easy thing to do, you know, and and a lot of moving components. So so good job. Hats off. Hats off to you. And and so needed, you know. It's so need. You know, we don't have a lot of you know in our supermarkets. I mean, we have some, but I've tried a few of the the vegan pizzas out here, and and they just haven't been able to quite hit it on some of them yet. Just we need to know. get some of ours over, Shane. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. We yeah, we need that here. You know, <laughs> I'm always looking. You know, for I'm trying it all right because I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like yeah, it was close, but it was just you know, there was just like yeah, just you know when you know it's just not there. Yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. just is not there. Sometimes it's probably just down to the cheese more than anything because yeah. it's quite good to get you know the base and the and the toppings etc. Uh, especially if it's a, a vegetable topping anyway. Right. Um, but I, even if I go to Italy, I was over in. Um, France doing some biking recently went to a pizza place and just tasked them to hold the cheese and it was a lovely pizza and in Italy there is a pizza called the Marinana Mariana 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 that is uh, a cheeseless pizza and they've been serving it in northern Italy for decades now so you know pizza doesn't always have to have cheese if you have a very good base sauce and some some you know vegetable toppings or some nice olive oil perhaps some chili or and I think you can go out the cheese sometimes, but if we're really going to appeal to the flexitarian market, then we can't ask them to go, you know, plant-based and cheeseless. It's got to be one step at a time, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally, right? Mm. <laughs> Amazing. So, I mean, there's people that watch us from all over and from your country in different places. So where can they find your product at and, and your website, social media, and anything like that? Yeah, sure. So website is easy, oneplanetpizza.com. Um, you can buy the pizzas uh, on the website. In the UK at the moment, we're in about uh, 70 Asda stores. So people in the UK can go on our website and see which stores we're in. If they're around London, then uh, Whole Foods, um, 
if they know if they're vegan they may know about the vegan kind which is the biggest online vegan supermarket in the uk and we've been on there for for many many years now so quite a lot of places in the uk and also if you go to our website if you're in a european country you can go on there and ask our retailers in each of the um out of uk countries is listed on that website as well the social media tags are all one planet pizza on instagram and uh TikTok, etc. So yeah, just search for One Planet Pizza and you'll find us. Awesome. So everybody go check them out, try their pizzas. Uh, you know, they're doing good work. And uh, you know, when you want to try and get into Canada, maybe we can help you guys pull our connections and excellent. That would be great. Yeah, I know know a lot of people at the Whole Foods and different places here and stuff. And uh maybe we'll go put just put some of them some of them in there and then go check them out and they don't beep out and be like hey <laughs> this brand Let's, you guys should deal with this brand <laughs> yeah. sounds good awesome so everybody thank you so much this has been a great interview a wealth of information and uh, thank you so much mike thanks shane great to talk to you awesome take care everybody